Well, praise the Lord. That goes right along with my message tonight. Philippians uh, chapter 2. Philippians 2. I want to share a message and tell Jesus highly exalted. And he is an unchanging Savior. Amen. So praise God. I'm glad that um, the rules don't change from generation to generation. I'm glad God requires the same thing out of us. I'm glad that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus highly exalted. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, going to begin reading in verse 9. <clears throat> it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that the, uh, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so thankful tonight to be able to be assured of the fact that you're an unchanging God. Uh, we're thankful, Lord, that there's one Savior and one that we worship and praise and exalt, and that's Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that you might uh, speak to our hearts in a special way tonight. We might learn something that will be very practical in helping us in living a life that glorifies our Savior and certainly, Lord, we're always mindful that someone could be here that's not saved. And so we pray for the Holy Spirit to bring conviction upon that person and that they might come and receive Christ as their Savior. Uh, there is no other God that we look for than other than Jesus Christ. And so bless the preaching of the Word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is uh, verse 9. tells us, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. You know, the Apostle Paul had just gone through a great discourse in this chapter, uh, helping us to understand the humility of Christ. As you back up a few verses, in verse 6, it says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him uh, the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so Paul explains to us the fact that Jesus Christ, who is equal authority, he's, co he's, got, he's the same as his Father in heaven. There is but one God uh, and, and made no apology about the fact that he declared himself to be, I and my Father are one and one in the same. Uh, he says that he is the one who made the decision to humble himself, not to bring, to make, bring on a reputation upon himself, but to become a servant of mankind. Jesus would say, uh, I not, had not come to be ministered unto, but to minister. And so he humbled himself, and after he humbled himself, he died on the cross of Calvary, fulfilling the request of the Father, fulfilling demands of a holy God, providing a way for man to be cleansed from all of his sin. Uh, he laid down his life, was buried, and three days later rose out of the grave and ascended up on high. Now, he lays all that groundwork to show the humility of Christ. But then he wants to make it clear, but God's given him a name that's highly exalted. And even though he humbled himself and take on the form of a servant, even though he humbled himself in being fashioned as a man and, and took death upon himself, 
He is still the one who is highly exalted above all other names that can be mentioned in all time and eternity and upon his earth. And so the suffering of Christ does not rob him of the glory. The humbling of Christ does not rob him of the glory. But rather, based on the fact that he was willing to humble himself, he is positioned by the Father to receive all the glory because of what he accomplished in humbling himself. And so he is exalted. He is exalted above every person because of the fact if he's exalted above every person, then that means he is a Jehovah God who is the salvation of the world. If anyone else can be exalted above Jesus Christ, uh, then certainly Jesus is not the only savior of the world. But he has been highly exalted by the Father, and by being so, he is the one who provides the only means of salvation. But because of the fact he's above every person, certainly he is Jehovah's salvation. But being above every position makes him the Lord, he is the master. And so when we think about the exaltation of Christ, it doesn't just involve his personality, that he is greater than all and is acknowledged as greater than all, but it acknowledges his position that he holds, that he is the Lord and master of all mankind. And because of that, he is man is accountable unto his Lord. And so uh, Jesus is highly exalted. The Apostle Paul wants us to understand that and not take anything away from the reality of the exaltation of Christ because of his humility. And so he establishes that for us, that every that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God in the Father. So not only is man positioned in a posture of bowing down before him, but literally his conversation and his, and his acknowledgement of his voice is to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so Jesus is highly exalted. So let's think of things, several things here tonight as we consider this topic of Jesus being highly exalted. First of all, we see that he is exalted above Satan. You know, Satan thought he could stand against God in the heavens he thought he could stand against the Lord Jesus Christ, but Jesus is exalted above Satan. We need not fear Satan because he is a defeated foe. We do not have to be worried about whether we can be victorious in this life because Jesus Christ has already defeated our enemy. And so when we see, think about the exaltation against Satan, it is by prophetic proclamation that Jesus is higher than he. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, after Adam and Eve had fallen in sin in the Garden of Eden, God's comment and acknowledgement that what would take place in the future, he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, but uh, uh, that um, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And the thing is that Satan may be able to render a wound to Christ, but it's not a devastating, uh, destructive wound. When Jesus died on the cross, uh, certainly that was the product of the sinfulness of man, the attack of Satan upon the Son of God. 
but the Son of God rose up out of the grave victorious. Amen. And so when God says that he would put enmity between the seed of the woman and, and the seed of man, he is acknowledging the fact that there would be a great battle that would be waged and that would be against Christ and the Satan who would try to destroy mankind. But Christ is exalted against Satan. Prophetic proclamation. There is nothing in the Bible that states at any moment or any time that Satan get a foothold on authority and power over top of Christ. And so even from the beginning, when he tempted Adam and Eve and they disobeyed God and they fell into sin, Yet God was greater and more powerful and was in complete control of everything that took place. And so by prophetic proclamation, uh, Jesus Christ is exalted over Satan. So greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And so we, by pro prophetic statements here and revelations, we know that, wait a minute, we are on the winning side and we can declare victory through our faith that is in Jesus Christ. So he's exalted against Satan by prophetic proclamation. In Matthew chapter 4, we see he's exalted by personal confrontation. You know, it's an interesting thing when Jesus came to John the Baptist to be baptized. And as he was baptized, God would speak from heaven and say, This is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit of God would light upon the Son of God. And yet it would be the Spirit of God who would lead Jesus Christ out in the wilderness to be confronted by Satan. And in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, records for us the encounter that Jesus had against Satan and with Satan. Notice, first of all, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And let me just say this. If the devil comes along and tempts Jesus Christ, what makes you think he won't come along and tempt you? And so we have an enemy that is, a, is worthy to be acknowledged uh, because his devices are strong and powerful against mankind. But he came up against Jesus. And it says in verse 2, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. So here is Christ in the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. Uh, he is fasting during that whole time. And at that time of fasting, here comes the tempter along. In uh, verse 3, it says, And when the tempter, that's the devil, came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God. And may I say that's always how the devil attacks. Amen. He always questions who our God is. If he be the, the Son of God. Uh, is your faith real? Is your God real? Isn't there other gods? Isn't there other religions? Isn't there other ways to be able to worship? Satan always attacks through a question, and he questions the reality of the authority of your God. And so he comes to Jesus and says, When a temper came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Yeah, why would he use that? Because Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And now he's a hungered. And so Satan comes and tells him real quickly, uh, why don't you, if you're the son of God, make these stones in the bread. And Jesus answered him. It says, he answered him and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
If there's something we need to learn in reference to how to stand against the wiles of the devil, is we don't live on bread alone. We don't live on physical things that we can gain and, and gather up in this world. They all fade away. They all corrupt. But listen, the word of God liveth and abideth forever. And because we have the word of God, we can rebuke the devil through what God has said. And so the, uh, the devil has to leave from him and cannot attack him in that realm because of the fact that Christ is exalted in his personal confrontation with Satan through the word of God. I see in verse 6 and 7, he doesn't stop, he continues. And he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, isn't it interesting? He constantly keeps saying that. If thou be the Son of God. Now you understand that Satan saw Jesus in heaven before he was cast out of heaven. Amen. So this isn't, this isn't a sincere question that he's desiring to be answered. This is an attack on the character of who Christ is. If thou be the Son of God, he goes on to say, uh, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus saith unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Uh, you know, oftentimes people try to uh, back God in the corners. God, if you be my God, do this for me. That's not, that's, that's not any better than what the Satan, Satan is doing here in chapter 4 of Matthew. Why are you tempting God? You bring your request before God. You humble yourself before God. And then you allow God to answer the request as he desires to do so in accordance with fulfilling his will in your life. You understand when we question the authority of Christ, we question the character of our God because he doesn't respond to what we want him to respond to. Uh, we're literally being in opposition to our God. And so Satan brings this accusation. Well, if you're the son of God, just cast yourself off. Uh, you know, listen, God said he'd give charge of his angels concerning you. He'd catch you and not let you fall. If you're the son of God, jump off. Well, wait a minute, don't tempt me. You don't tempt God. And so he has to take another approach and another attack. Then in verse 8, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain. I'm always tickled every time I read this verse. Because it says, and again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Now, don't you think Jesus already knows them? Amen. <laughs> I mean, you're showing him something that he created. You're showing him something that he's in charge of. Amen. And so they take him up, and he takes him up, and shows him all the kingdom and the glory of all of them. And, and here's another thought. I, you know, I have trouble because I get thinking about things when I'm reading. Here's another thought. The glories of heaven. Jesus was highly exalted in heaven. The angels surrounded the throne crying, holy, holy, holy. All the glories of heaven. Do you think for one minute there's one kingdom or nation on this earth, earth that is more glorious than what he experienced in heaven? Well, just a thought. Show unto him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and say to him, all these will I give thee. Well, wait a minute, you don't own them trying to give something you don't own. 
And so he says, I, all these will I give thee if thou wilt bow down and worship me. And then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. What a great lesson for us to learn in reference to Jesus being highly exalted in our life. We don't bow down to anyone. We don't bow down to anything. We don't bow down to any process or organization or anything. We bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what man may offer you, uh, you don't bow down to it. I remember years ago, I had a lady come in my office, and she was mad about something that I had done, and she wanted me to do some other some things to supposedly correct this, and I told her no. I said, I'm not going to do that. And uh, she told me, she said, you're so arrogant. <laughs> I'm like, well, ma'am, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do that. I said, we haven't done anything wrong. We haven't dealt with the situation wrong. You're just wanting to satisfy your own conscience. And I said, I'm not going to do that. And then she said, yeah, yeah, you're a typical alcoholic, and that's how alcoholics respond. I mean, she just went off on me. I felt so bad for Joan because she could hear all the yelling coming down the hallway. And, uh, I mean, she's screaming and hollering at me. And I said, well, ma'am, I'm sorry. She said, I'm going to tell you right now. I was prepared to give you $100,000. I got money. My family's worth money, and I was going to give $100,000 to Billy Graham uh, Crusades, and I was going to give you $100,000 for your school. And I looked at her and said, well, ma'am, I'm sorry, but your money will have to perish with you. Amen. I said, because you're not going to buy me. Amen. And I'll tell you one thing. She stormed out of this place screaming and hollering at me. And you say, boy, if we had $100,000 more, I'm the reason why you don't have it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> But the devil tries to present things to you that he does not have authority or possession to give. And so don't be drawn into this trap of the devil uh, taking and attacking you because of the fact that your Lord is Jesus Christ. And listen, when Jesus said this to him, I mean he left. It says, then the devil leaveth him and behold, angels came and minister unto him. And I'm thankful that after the attack of the devil, uh, we can be assured of this, that God will minister, send ministering angels to help us to recover from that. If we submit ourselves, therefore, to God, James says, resist the devil and he shall flee from thee. Why? Because Jesus Christ has been exalted against Satan. So I see he's exalted against Satan by prophetic proclamation, by personal confrontation, and by practical identification, look at Matthew chapter 16. We know Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has revealed to his disciples that he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer many things. He's going to be crucified, and there he's going to die. And in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus' show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. The response of Peter is amazing because if Peter responds, Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things 
that be of God, but those that be of men. An amazing thing is this, is practical identification is, wait a minute, when you oppose the work of Christ, you're an instrument and a tool in the hands of the devil. Now, we don't like saying that, and we try to skirt the issues, but when you stand against what Christ is doing, you're being used by Satan to stop the work. And uh, that's what Peter was being used by Satan to stop the work of Christ. The work of redemption was Christ going to the cross. He must needs go to Jerusalem. He must needs go to the cross. He must die on the cross because that's the means of redemption for mankind. And so very practical, in a very practical way, Jesus is getting Peter's attention to warn him, understand, Peter, you're being an instrument of the devil at this very moment. Get thee behind me. And so by practical identification. Then in 1 John chapter 3, in verse 7, I see by purposeful opposition. In other words, we're talking about Jesus being highly exalted against the devil. And uh, he does deal with the opposition that comes against him. In 1 John chapter 3, in verse 7, it says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Very purposeful opposition. And the devil opposes Christ because he wants to oppose the, the children of God, but Christ opposes the work of the devil so that mankind can be delivered and set free. If you receive Christ as your Savior, you are righteous. Uh, you, and we may not live out that righteousness, but you understand we have already received the righteousness of Christ. The problem is we don't allow the righteousness of Christ to manifest itself in our life. And so we forget that Jesus is highly exalted uh, exalted against Satan. I see another thing here back in Psalm 2 that Jesus Christ is exalted above the earth. Oftentimes the, the pantheist tries to put God in creation and in nature. And what happens is that, wait a minute, man... When he dethrones God, makes nature or himself his own God. And, but Jesus Christ is exalted above the earth. The earth does not dictate to Christ who he is and what he is. And so we, we, we allow ourselves to be drawn into this whole thing with global warming, climate change, whatever you want to do. And what happens is the earth becomes our God. But in reality, it is God who is over the earth, and he is the one that will determine the outcome of the earth. And so he's exalted above the earth. His word ignites his wrath on this earth. His word ignites his wrath. In Psalm 2, verse 1, it says, Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. And against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them 
his wrath and vexed them in his sore displeasure. Uh, the word ignites the wrath of God. And when man thinks he can exalt himself above Christ on this earth, uh, God's word brings out a revelation that, wait a minute, God sits on the throne of heaven and he is the one that will bring his wrath and judgment on this earth. And so Christ is exalted above the earth. Not only is his word ignites his wrath, but uh, his rod breaks their power. In uh, verse 6 of Psalm 2, she says, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possessions. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. I'm just, it's an amazing thing to think of this, that Christ is highly exalted over this earth because of the fact that his word ignites the wrath of God on this world in which we live, but it's his rod of iron. They'll rule with a rod of iron during the millennial kingdom. He'll rule over the people and he breaks the nations into pieces. They cannot stand against almighty God. So this rod breaks their power. You know, the greatest thing the Christian can do, I believe with all my heart, is to pray for God to release his wrath on this earth is to pray for God to fight the battle and for God to give us the victory. And you say, how that's going to come? That's going to come because Jesus Christ is highly exalted above the earth. And then his grace will give deliverance. In verse 10, he says, be wise now, therefore, based on the fact of the wrath of God, based on the fact of the rod of God, he said, be wise, therefore, O you kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Yet Christians would be a witness and they would testify and they would stand on the principles that are in the word of God. We could bring the power of God upon this world that causes repentance. The, listen, the answer for the problems that is in this world is Jesus Christ. It's not anything else. If Jesus is the king and he is in control, everything else falls in the line. You say, well, how do you know that? I'm going to tell you how I know it just personally. My life was a mess without Christ. And when I surrender my life to Christ, everything works out. I don't have everything that I desire, but I have everything that I need. I don't have everything that I want, but I know this, that God always provides whatever is necessary in my life. And so he is exalted. He needs to be exalted in the world in which we live. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. Well, that's a good thought. And ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are they that put their trust in him. And so Jesus is highly exalted, and he's highly exalted against Satan. He's highly exalted in the earth. Then in Revelation chapter 5, Revelation chapter 5, in verse 11, he is exalted in heaven. And so he's exalted above Satan. He's exalted above the earth. And he's exalted in heaven. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11, 
says, I beheld and I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000s and thousands of thousands. You say, how many was there? Thousands of thousands and thousands. <laughs> I don't know. In the Greek, it means, and there was 10,000 times 10,000s and thousands and thousands. Amen. You got great insight now in that verse. In verse 12, what were they doing? All this multitude, what were they doing? Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So let's look at this just for a moment. Exalted in heaven. How? First of all, in a verse of, um, oh, not 12, uh, worthy to see, receive, that was slain to receive power. First of all, power. We see the power. It, it literally means an inerrant power by virtue of his nature. And so they're worshiping Christ in reference to his power because of the fact his power is not from an outside source. His power is in and of himself. You know, we have power with God because of the fact that God places the power in it. The power doesn't come from us. Our power that we have comes from God. But when it talks about the lamb that was slain, worthy to receive power, it's talking about the fact that he is the possessor. He is the originator. He is the one who is the power in and of itself. And so he, he's worthy to be praised. You think about, it says here, riches, worthy to receive power and riches. Riches speak of the abundance of external blessings. And you and I have that, the external blessings of God. According to Ephesians chapter 1, the external blessings of God in reference to Ephesians 1 of his grace, the riches of his grace. You know, oftentimes we think about riches, we often think about a monetary means. Well, wait a minute, you think of the wealth of the reality of the grace of God working in our life. In Ephesians 1, 7, says, in uh, whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. See, we're not saved on our own. We're not saved by our own power. We're not saved by our own experiences. We're saved, we're redeemed through the blood because of the forgiveness that is offered us based on the grace of God, the riches. Christ is worthy to be exalted in heaven because he has extended grace, giving man what he does not deserve. Because the reality is no man deserves going to heaven. But God in his love and in his grace has extended heaven to us. And so in heaven, Jesus' name is exalted high in the heavens. So because of the riches of his grace, because of the riches of his glory, in Ephesians 1.18, says, Is the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling 
and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The riches of glory. I'm praying about a message for our uh, Easter service. Our Easter, our choir is going to be doing a musical entitled Behold Our God. And I'm praying about uh, preaching a message on that day. We beheld his glory. And I'm praying about it right now. I'm working on some things for the Easter Sunday service. And it's going to be a great time. So you need to be praying about who you can get in church on Easter Sunday. And get them here under the gospel and the preaching of the word of God. Why? Because the riches of the glory of God. Christ is highly exalted because no man has seen God, but the only begotten Son hath declared him, has revealed him. And all the glory that God is we see in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he is worthy of praise in heaven and being exalted. Not only in reference to his grace and of his glory, but the riches of the gospel. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8, says unto me, whom the least of, the, uh, of the, uh, all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. The gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so Christ is exalted in heaven because of the fact that he is the possessor of all power. And he is in abundance of his external possessions and based on the riches of, and, and worthiness of his position. Notice it says this, that he would receive wisdom. The word wisdom means to have supreme intelligence that surpasses man. You know, and Jesus confounded the, the lawyers of his day as a 12-year-old lad in the temple. Uh, his understanding and his intelligence was past that of those that were philosophers and those who were educators and those that were religious leaders. They were amazed at his ability to comprehend what was going on and in his earthly ministry as an adult man, they were astonished at his doctrine. Why? Because he is worthy of praise and exaltation in heaven because of his wisdom. Not only wisdom, but it goes on to say, and strength. The word strength there means to ability to exercise force or might. And so because he is all-powerful, then he is strong enough to face the enemy. He is strong enough to defeat the foe. He is strong enough to protect us and take care of us. And uh, we, the choir sang that song tonight, Hide Away in the Love of Jesus. You say, well, wait a minute, I got a lot of things I'm dealing with, a lot of problems I'm going through. Hide away in the love of Jesus. He's strong enough. He has the power enough. He has the ability to provide and care for us. Not only strength, but he says honor. The word honor means to have high value or ranking. In other words, there's no one else that has a higher value or ranking. I remember I was in the Marine Corps. I mean, rank meant everything. And it doesn't matter if somebody told you to do something. If somebody of a higher rank came and told you to do something else, uh, he got the priority. Why? Because his rank established the authority to tell you what to do. The high ranking that we have. We live in a world where nobody wants to acknowledge ranking. 
Everybody thinks we're all supposed to all get trophies. We're all supposed to all win. We're all supposed to be all even. We're all supposed to have everything the same. And the reality is none of us are the same. And none of us have the same abilities. And not everybody can be a winner. And not everybody is the boss. But Jesus Christ is. Amen. And he's worthy of our praise because he is highly exalted in honor. How much do you honor Jesus Christ? What value do you put on Christ? And uh, I was challenging some of the kids in our school the other day, and I was just challenging with this. You know, you only have to do one thing to ruin your testimony, ruin your, your reputation. That's all it takes, one. One time, that's all. You can have a whole lifetime of respect and honor given to you. It only takes once. That's all it takes. And so if Christ is our Savior, he is our God, and he is, then doesn't it mean something to us to acknowledge who he is and place a high value on him? Because the reality is in heaven there is a high value placed on Christ. Then it says here he's to receive glory. The word glory means to be full of splendor or brightness. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible tells us in Revelation that in heaven there will be no need of sun. Why? Because the Son of God will be there. He'll be the brightness of all the glory of heaven. And then he says, and blessings. Blessing means praise or adoration. Uh, poly, it literally has a meaning of a polished, polished speech. Uh, praising God, acknowledging who he is, exalting the character of Christ. And so he's exalted in heaven. No wonder Paul says in our text verse in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, he tells us, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Uh, Jesus is not a curse word. Jesus is not a filler word. And I've heard some people, I've been in some prayer meetings where uh, somebody's praying and, and they'll say, and Jesus uh, provided to and Jesus to and, and Jesus and Jesus and Jesus and Jesus after every sentence. How would you like if if I, I said, oh, um, uh, you know, it's a nice day today, Tom, and I'm glad I'm going to be going grocery shopping later, Tom. And Tom, do you know, and Tom and Tom, how would you like somebody talking to you like that? That's how we talk to God constantly. We throw the name of Jesus around like it means nothing. But God has highly exalted his name above everything. It's a name to be reverenced. It's a name to be worshipped. It's a name to be bowed down before. But yet we throw the name of Jesus. I had a fellow when I was in Bible college. He worked for the bus company I worked for. And he was a pastor of church. And I mean, he constantly, every other sentence he said in normal conversation Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, I finally told him, I said, you realize you're taking the name of Jesus in vain? Well, what, brother? Oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I said, no. You're using his name as a filler in your conversations. And his name is highly exalted. And you need to respect the name of Jesus Christ. You don't throw it around as a filler in your conversations. And sometimes we just forget that. Paul says, I want to remind you. That it is God who's highly exalted him. And it is God who has given him a name that's above every name. And so we are to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, don't listen. Don't let people drag the name of Jesus through the mud. 
I mean, he is my God. He is my Savior. I'm not going to let somebody defame my God. I've had people over the years I've tried to witness to, and they start cussing or something like that. And I said, whoa, whoa, stop that cussing around me. I've had people over the years start mocking and making fun of Jesus, and I rebuke them real quick. No, 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 you ain't talking about my Savior. That's my God. You're not talking like that about him. And uh, why? Because if God has highly exalted his name, then I certainly think I ought to highly exalt his name in my life also. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together tonight. Lord, my desire was to lift up in the name of Christ, and Lord, I pray that I've done that. And so I pray that you would speak to us and help us, Lord, to honor you. And Lord, never get over the reality of what it's going to be like in heaven when everything, every creature, every individual will have nothing but praise on their lips for the Son of God. And so, Lord, I pray for your blessing tonight. If there's someone who needs to be saved, may they come, receive Christ, and need to humble themselves before the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world, and they could be saved. I pray for believers tonight, Lord, that you would help them in a special way to constantly exalt the name of Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.